Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. Follow-up. Dan was right. The Facebook ads app is the best way to put ads on Instagram rather oh, than good. trying to use the <laughs> madness that is Facebook ad manager on the web. Yeah, but not as clean as actually if you're in Instagram and no, just you can't say, do. You can't do all the, the stuff that you can't. Oh, know. yeah, you can't. Yeah, you There's can't. A, like that promote post thing is, is nice and easy, but mm-hmm. I want to take like a video like a reel yeah. or whatever or a video and put that in people's Instagram stories. Like you can't do that yeah. any other way. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's been, I've been playing around with it and I'm actually pretty pleased with the response that we've seen. So I've nice. been, basically we had a, a video that was an ad that we ended up, um, I was, I made the ad for Instagram stories, right? Then found out that there wasn't a way to turn an Instagram story into an into ads, like video. Like it wasn't really easy for me to do it in the way that I wanted to do it. To so be like, mm-hmm. here are these three, like it's like 45 seconds, whatever. It's like here are these three Instagram stories, package them up and put them in an ad. Because I feel like I'd oh. seen that, right? Like yeah. as a consumer. But what they're actually doing is you take a video and you upload it through the system or you upload it as like, they want you to do everything as reels now. So I just did it as a reel. And then in the ad manager or in the ads app you can say take this existing content that i've put on my instagram page and show it to people in these different ways as ads so as in suggested uh and in stories and i've been actually pretty pleased with the response like i don't really know what good response is but we're just going for like a link clicks and we're Mm -hmm. at like eight pence per click oh that's Mm. cheap which I felt like was was really good. Now, the thing yeah. that I haven't done yet, which is what we spoke about before, I don't know what people are doing Conversion. once they've clicked that. But all I wanted to do was just really at the moment is just drive people to the website and also show kind of like our ad and our kind of brand to lots of people. And I've hit like 300,000 people or something bananas mm-hmm. like that for mm. 75 pounds. And so like mm. to mm-hmm. me... All of that feels like, yeah, I'm good with that. So I'm going to keep yeah. playing around with this. I'm going to, you know, so one thing like, um, so with Kotick Brand, I work with CGB Grey, right? Like it's, it's the stuff that we do together. He just made a video that he put on his YouTube channel today, like to promote the kind of like show how he uses the journal and to promote the journal. And I'm thinking like, can I take some of that video maybe and put it into an ad? Like yeah. I want to play around with some mm-hmm. stuff now because obviously he has a very recognizable voice to people. So I want to see like, what is that? What is that like? And so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to play around with it just because I've been, now I feel like I actually cannot, can, can do it in a way that makes sense to me. Cause like one of the things I could never work out in brand manager was like, I want to like create an audience of people between these ages in these locations that have these interests. And I knew it was possible to do this, but I could not work out how to do it. It's really easy to do it on the iPhone app. Mm-hmm. Like you can just search for like what, a, like I just like was like stationary journaling productivity, 
And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's 200 million people. It's like, great. <laughs> I'll take a slice of those. Like, so it was, this has been much easier as a thing to play around with and try out and put some money behind, but not a lot of money. Um, and I, I genuinely feel like we've got some result out of it. So I, I, I'm, I'm pleased with this. This is what I wanted from the ads tool. And I'm happy that, that you told me about this, Dan, because otherwise uh-huh. I probably would have put this to bed. You are welcome. Michael, you <clears throat> you should just right away install the tracking pixel. Oh, I'm gonna do it. I just haven't. Don't mess around. It. You're yeah. you're actually not getting any data. I don't think without the tracking pixel. Yeah, I know. And all I'm getting right now is just like how many people press the button to say, "Yeah, go here." Right? Like, yeah. So really, for me, before I before I put the pixel in, I just wanted to see like, is could this be a thing I could benefit from? Having now got that data, I feel like yes. The answer to yeah. me is like mm-hmm. unequivocally yes. And so it. I'm going to put that on there. Yeah. So then I can see what happens afterwards. Like, do people then click the buy now button? Like, I guess that's what you find. Yeah. Like, what does the pixel do? Well, I so really wait, okay, it. but hold on. So, because you're sending them to like the theme system.com, which is yeah. like that page, and then the buy now button goes to the Com Bureau. Mm-hmm. Well, ugh, see, yeah, I you, know. Oof, I you know. probably just need to send them to Com Bureau and ask Com Bureau. Maybe. If there's a way to hook in, there's mm-hmm. got to be a way to hook in because they already have, I'm sure, all this stuff installed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, there's got to be a way for you to, um, do they have like a dashboard or something? Well, I mean, I have one. Sales? Yeah, I have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your, so there must be a way, um, you might not even need the tracking pixel if they already have it installed and you just need to put the right variables in the links that you generate that right. when, when people come in. Yeah, I see. I've never spoken um, to them about it because I, I haven't decided. Like, I, I, I like sending them to our page that's got information, but I know that then it's like another button to press to buy. And I yeah, understand the idea of like, yeah. you got to send people straight to the buy page because one more click is like, a da, 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 like a, you know, like I get it. Well, you're also not going to, you're also not going to be able to track, I think, through your website into mm-hmm. theirs that easily. I mean, you could, you could keep that very, and it's possible, but it's not, it's probably going to take a little bit of code, mm-hmm. but um, you might as well just send them. I think if you got a, a little bit of a warmed up lead, just send them to the buy page, right? It's not that complex of a yeah. thing. And maybe you just need to do the more ad in the work, like more work in the ad to kind of explain a little bit more. Yeah, but it's just I don't never, know. it's just not a conversation that I've had with anyone at Cotton Bureau. Like, I don't know what the, mm-hmm. they, like, they might have a policy. Have like, something. You know, like no facebook pixels i don't know like i've never spoken to them about it you know yeah they gotta have something i just like just add, just say like hey we're advertising in like what's the best way to track it and mm-hmm. i'm sure they have a, there's gotta be a way right hmm. I know. but good have you been doing anything different recently not we kind of paused things uh for the holidays but i think we'll look to uh pick things up again and i yeah i'm interested in trying some different things like do like shoot (laughs) the first few ads i made were just reappropriated kind of content that we've already had like yes i took the you know the stop motion the promo videos essentially and kind of recut them and added subtitles and kind of somewhat uh crop them for like an appropriate for either the feed or the uh, for a story but um i'm interested in trying some it's like oh let's shoot like a vertical 
nine by 16 video that's specifically meant for stories and it's just like what are the different things you can do there like what is the difference how does an ad perform that's like super casual looking that looks like i literally just shot it with my iphone versus like a more polished professional looking thing like do those perform differently and i think that's where i think that's the game i think that's the job is uh, like trying things and pulling levers and seeing like what connects with people and and what doesn't uh, so I guess that's like next up in the docket. I mean, it's going to be brand pers- specific, right? I mean, I doubt there's like a rule of thumb here that actually no, no, matters, yeah, right? You know, yeah, it's going to be super yeah. brand specific. Yeah, so yeah, because there's like there are going to be certain things that work for yours that don't work for others, etc., etc., etc. Right? But yeah. yeah, see, I I find this is like, you know, I mean, to to certain, it's just like I find us having this conversation really interesting because I feel like there are members of our audience that are like you morons why are you yeah. not been doing this for You're ages your head. and then what there's also doing? people that are like how dare you yeah you know like advertise at all or advertise with facebook or etc you know like it's, I, I imagine this is quite an interesting thing to people from both sides yeah because there yeah, is yeah. like very clearly for for you especially for us a little bit because we're more, we're still more a bit more green right but like you guys are very mm. seasoned like we all see this, right? Like, mm-hmm. get, I get advertised brands constantly. And, like, they're interesting to me. Again, like, the reason mm-hmm. that I, the only reason I care about advertising on Instagram is because I feel like, as a consumer, Instagram shows me things that I want. So, I believe Instagram can show my product to people that want it. You know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like any of any of these kinds of platforms, that is yeah. it. Other than yeah. doing say like a model that we have here for like the podcast sponsorships where it's like a very like you deal with the people that are delivering it and like it's much more um, focused, right? But if you're going to mm-hmm. go to a platform, I feel like the Instagram, Facebook platform is the one that's most likely to show my ad to people that want to see it. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I've come around to like the, you know, kind of the Ben Thompson perspective where it's like, yeah, Facebook is bad in a lot of ways. <laughs> like we kind of all agree that there's like a lot of unsavory aspects about that company. But one thing that can't be denied is they have a advertising platform that like specifically works well for the little guys, right? Like Coca-Cola is not advertising in this way. I mean, maybe they are, who knows, but it's like, they advertise the small... everywhere. <laughs> You're right. Right. But there was but, like, that thing this... when there was the, the, like the boycott backlash stuff that like all mm-hmm. those big brands pulled out. There was like, I don't even remember what this was about anymore, yeah. Uh, yeah. but like a bunch of brands pulled out and it's like easy for those brands to pull out. Cause it's like, whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's like, it's weirdly like it's the Facebook and Instagram. It's like weirdly super pro small business, uh, of which we are, that's are. us. That's, that's what we are. <laughs> and so it, it's, uh, it, it, the, the split, it, it is really interesting because it's like, well, I really have a strong distaste for like m- many of the things you do as a company, but it's like, you're also like helping pull up a lot of companies that just straight up like wouldn't exist uh, otherwise without this opportunity to like uh, reach an audience that is so specifically might be interested in, you know, what it is. Um, Cause that's the whole game. It's like, I always go back to the, 
the Cory Doctorow quote that's like, the enemy is not whatever, you know, piracy or, you know, anything like that. The enemy is obscurity. Like, if you're a small guy, like, people have to know about you. And Facebook and Insta, you know, slash Instagram have created this platform that makes it actually possible for the little guys to find their audience. And that's really special and compelling. And it like stinks that it's tethered to this company that does so many unsavory things. But I, you know, I don't really know what the alternative is at this point. Well, there isn't one anymore because of the stuff that Apple's put in place. Like, yeah. Like if anything, like, Again, we're just like, Ben Thompson's so smart and he talks about this stuff all the time and like I find myself nodding constantly. Like, what that really did was just entrench companies like Facebook because yeah. mm-hmm. now they have mm-hmm. all the data and nobody else has it. So, you know, for, for these direct-to-consumer stuff, it just made them stronger and stronger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think there's two things that I always think about when, you know, making these decisions... Like, if you just think about Amazon, like, there's plenty of reasons to be, like, have a skeptical eye towards Amazon, although it's, it's like, where I buy almost everything, right? Mm-hmm. But it's always, like, skeptical eye. But if you think about the, like, upside that Amazon provides Studio Neat versus the upside that Amazon provides, like, Apple or Nike, we are probably, like, a thousand times more benefited by Amazon than Amazon than um, Nike is, right? Because like we can get to leverage their insane distribution stuff that we could never even come close to doing, right? Or placement or all that what stuff. Do you sell on Amazon. We sell the Glyph and the Cosmonaut, although they're out of stock there. Right. But we did for a long time. It was a big part of our business, and so I feel like I forgot um, that. I don't know why. But yeah, totally <laughs> and so and but the same thing goes with like yeah, Facebook. It's like. The difference that we that like we benefit from Facebook yeah. like way way more percentage wise than like these large companies and so it you know that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is though I think it's really you got to be careful about like becoming too dependent on any of these platforms if you're in it for the long haul because you know let's say you build this huge this network on Instagram and like your entire business of what a lot of direct to consumer companies do completely depend on ad rates on Instagram, right? Like their entire business works because of that. If there's some big change that comes or the markets change, you're kind of hosed. And so I think it's really good to always like be nimble and like use them as tools, like thoughtfully, but also being really realized that they are just like huge swinging pendulums that you cannot even stop. Right. That's not what so, I thought you were going to say, and I'm pleased <laughs> that it went the way that you went. Swinging. The, the, the problem, Didax. I will say though, the problem with Amazon that I don't like is that they are more in competition with you directly than Facebook, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I, yeah, well, I don't I like the stories and they, they're very obvious and it's the thing that makes makes me the most disappointed with them. It's like they have this data and when they see something goes well, they just white label their own product and sell it, Yeah, but, you know? And, and I know this is very similar to, to, to like supermarkets, et cetera, et cetera, right? But... There's just something about like the Amazon mm-hmm. model and that part that that I don't like. But I agree that like you guys aren't going to necessarily have to worry about that too much. We don't, and I don't think I would caution anyone, honestly, starting now to. Um, I would just be really 
I, I think it's scary to, and uh, thinking about the future, like products are going to become more and more commoditized and more easily commoditized, which is like, you know, automation and manufacturing and supply chain efficiency, blah, 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 blah. And so um, I don't think the game in the future is going to be like, let me put all this R&D effort into this like one product that can be commoditized easily because the value proposition is like that this product does something novel. Like for instance, the glyph was that, right? It's like, hey, here's this product, this novel thing. And then yeah, it gets cannibalized immediately because there's value there that people realized. I don't think that's the game that we will ever play again. Uh, and then it will get even worse in the future because it will just be too easy to do that. And so the game we're playing, right, is like brand and storytelling. Yeah. And kind of more honestly, it's probably going to be moving more and more. I don't know if luxury is exactly the, but more like, I don't know, like brand story, authentic driven, mm -hmm. like things that are not easy to commoditize, right? Like someone could make a Mark one, maybe, but they nah. couldn't, they wouldn't have the story, right? <laughs> no one can do this. <laughs> well, there's a lot of hard things this? that I don't think people, that it's not easy to commoditize. But anyways, you know what I'm that. saying? Yeah. No, so I, I, know think what you that's, I know what you mean. So like we would probably not make, <clears throat> even if we had a good idea, I would be very nervous about making some product where, like I said, the value prop is like, oh, it does some novel thing in a new way. Because I just know that we would, yeah, if it caught on, then like you're saying, like Amazon would just scoop it up. And so I think that's the the, the kind of lesson there. I don't think there's any way that that's, that's going back in the barn. Like the, the horses are out. Like we're not going back to a place where a small team can make something sufficiently like revolutionary or whatever. And then it just stays like it's not commoditized. I mean, even if you think about well, like Peloton guess, or something. Unless they can very quickly pivot into the brand storytelling part, right? Yeah. But see, it's this pivot, right? It, like we were, we're not going to like, you can't rest on one product, right? It, it's no. like, you got to keep, you know, it's you the, it's about brand. the like yeah. brand, not the like products per se. I mean, the products make the brand, but you can't just like stay on one and just like keep hyping it. So I think like it's the, the, the same with, and it's the same story for patents, right? It's just like, a non-starter whether we would ever get a utility patent. Do you, you know have I mean? any patents, the two of no. them? No. You, no, no, no. Did you ever think about it? We, mm -hmm. uh, the very beginning of our very history, we thought about it because uh -huh. you thought, oh, that's what you do. You get a patent. And that's like what every like, you know, wizened business person would tell us like, oh, you go, so where's you got your patent, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we realized talking to some people that like, even if we had a patent, we couldn't afford to defend it, no. <laughs> you know? And so there's no, the actual, if you game that out and you're not, there's just not a way to do it. But People that does, can do it. You we're can not, do we're it. We're not the people to be able to do that. Right. Like, well, that not with the kind of thing. company that we want to have, right? Yeah. We don't want to have a huge, if you have the, the deep pockets, you can do it. But, you yeah. know, that we don't want to have that big of a company, right? And so, yeah, it's just like not... It's silly, right? Do you it's have basically it doesn't make any. We have trademarks. Yeah. So the cool thing about trademark is, trademark are really defensible and they're cheap. Yes, and easy you know, to apply for. And they're easy ultimately. And and they're like you cannot. You they're actually useful. Like if you're on Amazon, you can be like, hey, trademark takedown. Like you're using our name. Yeah. To, that's because that's what these companies do, right? Like with the glyph, they use or they used to use the word glyph to ever sell their knockoff like in tripod the description thing. right like yeah yeah like and fun you can photo get that holder glyph 
blah blah again, <laughs> and every ever one of your competitors all in one line, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, so you can take that down. They're useful. I actually don't. I don't know if that's used. Like, we don't have trademarks on Mark One, Mark Two, any of the more recent products. We did that before because I don't think it's actually useful to us anymore. But it used to be, um, and I think we would do it if it was like a space where we thought we were going to get some, you know, like knockoffs, and it would be worth defending. But because it's not that expensive and and an easy process to do. But uh, so those definitely are something I would recommend, but especially if you think it's going to be a name that you have for a long time. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, like patents, like no way, like you would have to be such a feat, a work of engineering to, to, to deserve a patent. And then if that's the yeah. case, then yeah, but that's not what we do. Right. We do like, it's, it would be design patents and that's just yeah. like, not, it's just not worth it. It's like if, I don't know, like if we're looking, like you you came up with a completely new way to make a pen, like that just no one had ever considered yeah. before, right? Yeah. Like then, yeah. sure. But, you know, like even say like the, you know, you could be like, oh, we put so much engineering time into the knock on the Mark One, right? And mm-hmm. it's a unique thing and like nobody else makes one that's just like this one. But what would be the point, right? Yeah, I mean, sure, we could spend, you know, $50,000, $40,000, get that utility patent. And then when one comes up, we could pay a lawyer to threaten them to, like, stop making their product. And maybe they would. But when push comes to shove, are we going to spend another eighty grand going to court? No. You know, like, yeah. our time is better spent, like, moving on. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I just had a really funny memory uh, where where just recently celebrated the 15th anniversary of the iPhone uh, announcement the original iPhone. And I remember there was a moment on stage when he was just Steve jobs. I think he was describing the touch screen maybe, but he was like, blah, 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 multi-touch. It has this and this. And the last bullet point was like, and boy, did we patent it. And it's funny to think like Apple, like, currently the biggest country the biggest company in the world uh, cer- <laughs> that was a pretty effective Freudian slip and honestly country yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's like what did they patent that hasn't been copied like what in the iPhone copied. you yeah. know is like they were able to protect with a patent you know <laughs> so there it's was like, like a they, few things for a few years but ultimately right, like, multi-touch right. was one for a long time but then I don't know how, but now but if it was a durable it. patent, it would still be, yeah. yeah. Patents last for 25 years. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, my favorite part what? about that is when he says, and boy, have we patented it? People cheer. And it's like, yeah, it's such a weird thing to cheer. Like, yeah, you did. And we're so proud of you. Well, but you would. Though, and it wasn't right? a juggernaut. It was a, you know, it was a scrappy company. So you yeah. want to, you know, that's why people cheer. You would have done it, right? Like you, if you were Steve Jobs yeah. too, and you made that thing, you well, they can afford it. The yeah, overhead is not that my, much for them. That's my point is like the patents are, they're kind of for those big companies that have the lawyers and all this stuff. And even even in that case, it's still like, okay, what exactly did this achieve? <laughs> like it, you know, it held <laughs> some... And also some, like, it's, but to, to it, Apple of 2007, that was valuable to have those patents, right? Yeah. Because, you know, at that point, who knows, like some company might have wanted to buy them or whatever. And then they're worth, you know, now the, the company's bigger. Like you see it all the time. Like Motorola mm-hmm. bought for all that money, and effectively, all anyone got out of it was Google got a bunch of patents. Yeah. I think that's how stuff like you know, like saying that multi-touch thing. It's like a mutually assured destruction thing between a lot of these tech companies. Like mm-hmm. you have this patent, we have this patent, 
So if you sue us over this pen, we're going to sue you over this pen. Like, yeah. 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 There's a lot of, yeah, the gamesmanship and stuff. It's yeah. just, I think people just generally, very generally speaking, have a wrong idea of what patents are or the function they serve. Whereas you could hear Steve Jobs say that and be like, oh, interesting. Nobody's going to make a smartphone like this then <laughs> because Apple did it and they patented it. And now yeah. they're going to be the only company that has this hard rectangle with a big touch screen that uh can make telephone calls and obviously like that's that's not what that is and also i think there's a thing that people were like uh patents mean i'm a millionaire (laughs) (laughs) right yeah like people just think like now i have a patent then i you know now i've now i've made it yeah. yeah, it's it. I'm I'm having another memory back, uh, rewinding ten years or eleven years, I guess, when I was talking with a friend, actually a college friend, when we had just launched the Glyph, and he was pretty emphatically kind of pro patent for personal reasons. Is I believe if I'm getting the story right, like his father was an engineer and he like invented something and they patented it and. Uh, went through like this it got ripped off and they went through this like huge uh legal battle and eventually it has like a happy ending like he was triumphant at the end and they were like compensated for the infringement but the way he was describing it was just like that sounds miserable <laughs> like that sounds like <laughs> years and years of legal like litigation misery mm-hmm. it's like man i mean it would be horrible to have like your idea ripped off but like i don't want that life <laughs> like i don't no. i don't want to have to fight for it <laughs> Yeah. Well, it just depends. If you have a PhD and you're an expert in some like field of engineering, like, heck yes, get patent- patents. You're like, mm-hmm. yes, that's what they're for. But the things we do are not that, right? They're like, really not that. And so the patents, the utility patents is like what you're talking about. They don't work. Like we could not get it a utility patent for anything that we have made. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's like durable and like actually would hold up to any scrutiny. And so mm-hmm. it's just, it's, you know, there's design patents which are different, but they're also like super not defensible. So it's just a different game, you know, it's just different. Mm-hmm. We're not Tesla or, you know. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, not with that attitude. <laughs> that's right, not with that, not with that attitude. <laughs> uh, follow up item number two. <laughs> Ooh. Always pan. Thumbs up. Oh, good. We like our always pan. We got one for Christmas. Uh, it's really good. I like that. It's a good product. Good. Cool. I'm glad to hear. Got a red one. The nonstick's real good. Um, oh. It's a bit smaller than some of the other like pans that we'd had, but mm, the yeah. height the height of the walls kind of make up for mm-hmm. that in a way. So. You can really get in there and sw- stir it around. Yeah, you really get in there. And we've got a bunch of <laughs> accessories. I don't know if we're ever going to use them, but we've got them. Like, mm-hmm. we've got, like, the steaming basket and stuff because I uh-huh. could just seem like a oh, small thing to you do. you got to use that. Yeah, we want to do it. I mean, that. we've made dumplings in the past, so, like, maybe we could we could do that again. We can use this thing for it, which is cool. Um, that's not the steaming basket, but you know what I'm talking about, like the, the, yeah. the bamboo steamer. The bamboo, yeah. yeah. We bought yeah. a couple of uh, extra spatulas. The spatula is my favorite thing. Like the oh, rest mm. spatula so you do, you do use that? Yes, yeah, fantastic. I, interesting. Amateur. I don't I don't personally use that. Silicone well, all the way, bro. I was going to, yeah. I like a silicone spatula. Well, I would like them to make a silicone spatula with a hole in it. Mm. Oh, I, I prefer silicone yeah. spatulas to wood spatulas. But I just like the rested the rest. place for the for the spatula. Yeah. That's the cool part for me. Yeah. That's like big big win. They should make a silicone spatula. Yeah. Always our place or whatever yeah. the name of the company is. I don't understand. Uh, make a silicone. <laughs> if, you're out, if you're out there, make a silicone. Uh, I'm spatula. sure the product lead is listening. 
<laughs> and they're like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? we've never thought of that ever. <laughs> we never thought of this. <laughs> Got a red one. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's fun. Nice. Yeah. Didn't go with just boring gray like the two of you. That's still one of oh, my favorite. On. I believe it's called charcoal. It is it's called charcoal. It's one of my favorite moments of this show ever is when you both saying, oh, there's so many great colors. Both of you like, oh, they got great colors. But we both got the dark gray one. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, want yeah, to know yeah. that other people are having fun. That brings me joy. <laughs> that, that makes me happy. It makes me happy to know you're happy. Uh, how's Mark Ooh. 2 fulfillment going? It's now going. Uh, I don't we, have mine yet. I just want to say, just yeah, people sorry. are out there in, in back the Kickstarter. Just if you're thinking to yourself, "Oh man, where's my pen? I wish to have my pen." I do a, like a monthly podcast with these jokers, and I haven't got mine. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is how ha- it is. It is happening. I, I can peer around my monitor and see an assembly station that has things in process right now. So yeah, no, we're we are like pretty consistently. Go moving through them, so it's good. Yeah, it's gonna for sure, for sure, a few more weeks left mm-hmm. to of just you know, there's only so it's only so fast we can pump these out, but I, you know, it's going. Yeah, I don't know well, what else to say. Since other than we like, last spoke, though, people now have them. Yeah, uh-huh. yes. Have yeah. you had initial feedback? Like, how is it feeling to get this product out to people? Yeah, it's feeling good. We haven't yeah. gotten a ton of feedback yet, but uh, people seem happy with them. Like I, you know, we I've seen some a couple excited tweets and Instagram posts, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's feeling good so far. It will feel really good when we're done with the Kickstarter backers. Those yeah. are all shipped out, and then we can like have some stock and put it on our website, and really be like, okay. <laughs> put you to bed little one yeah uh and so that's that is almost the that's the reward you know what i mean like we, <laughs> it's it's uh that will be the reward i think yeah it's been fun to introduce some people to the mark one recently and got oh. universal good feedback from this oh, cool. oh. um people seem to really be digging it so which i'm very pleased about because i knew they would they just needed to get it Last we were on the podcast, mm-hmm. you, it was just before, right? Yeah, we were just yeah. about to put them on sale, I think, like, the next day or something. Yeah. Mm. Well, so, cool. Yeah, how are you feeling about that? I mean, honestly, it went exactly as I thought it was going to. We sold, mm. we had, like, 300 of them or something, and we sold them mm-hmm. out in a day, or like a day mm-hmm. and a half, which is kind yeah. of what I figured would occur. Um, yeah. And that was just with, like, very little promotion from us. Um, mm-hmm. put it on our Instagram and we put it in uh, the members episode and the reason we did mm-hmm. that is like I knew if we put it in the main show they just sell too fast and we yeah. were pretty restricted and we weren't sure when we were going to be able to get more mm-hmm. and I think we're working on that right like we should hopefully be able to get more soon-ish yep. mm-hmm. but we just need to put in we need to work out how many we want etc etc yeah and you know, so I, I knew it was going to go well and I knew people were going to like it, right? Like this was an easy bet for me. Like it wasn't like, yeah. you know, like if we make a, like a notebook or whatever, like what that's like, oh, what are people going to think? Like mm-hmm. it's a great pen. We didn't have that many of them. Um, I knew that there was already an audience of people that would want it because they already have one and they would want another one. Like it was just like an easy mm-hmm. bet for me. Mm-hmm. It's just that mm-hmm. the only difference for us is like, and you know, this is a, 
much higher for, for Cortex brand, like a higher upfront cost than our mm-hmm. products yeah. per unit, mm-hmm. right? Because it's mm-hmm. just a more expensive product. But, and that means like, you know, we still make money on the other end, but we have to have the money at the front, mm-hmm. right? So oh, like, cash flow. You, yeah, you yeah, get to this the <laughs> cash flow to the wonderful world. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like that. I mean, and you guys can obviously understand what I'm saying, right? That like mm-hmm. paper products and pens, like metal, ceramic, like the, the, upfront costs are so different like so yeah. massively different and like yeah. to the point where like you know two people who have successful careers can easily kickstart a, a, a like a paper product business for and have decent units but to be like here's a bunch of pants like it's way harder which i guess is why you use kickstarter right for this stuff mm-hmm. yeah i mean like to even just to reorder like uh, like we just reordered like parts for Mark One that will last us, you know, like a year mm-hmm. or and a half or something. <clears throat> and it's like a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's and I'll get this box. I'll get a box. <laughs> like I'll, I'll like get a box from UPS or something that came from China. I'm like, oh, here's this box of parts that cost like ten thousand dollars in my hand. Like one <laughs> box that's not even big. And it's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like because it's like these custom parts. Like parts of the mechanism, right? Like there's like five parts of the mechanism. One of the little parts would be like a dollar or something. And you can fit 3,000 of them in like a pretty small box. And it's like, you know, this is like a lot of money here in my hand. You know, like this of like custom parts. And it's like, this will last a long time. But it's like, you know, so it's it's pretty wild. Uh, money becomes like very like odd whenever you're just like sending wire transfers or whatever that are like, you know, double did like... You know, like really, you know, like thirty thousand dollar wire transfers or something, because it just becomes fake, and then you know yeah, everything just becomes very yeah. yeah. And so um, it's kind of it's pretty it's like really weird to to be doing that, but um, that's the way it is, I suppose. I mean, I think it's lucky that we can fit that much value into a small box <laughs> because then we're not shipping a containers worth of stuff. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. but it's just kind of wild. Yeah, but it's like if I wanted to have like. 5,000 notebooks to last X amount of time, like we can do yep. it. If I wanted 5,000 mm-hmm. Mark 1s, that's a... In this, well, in the, sc- in the scale, the scale is so different. Like yeah. the, the way that the price scales is like is like night and day. Like, I mean, I know how paper goods scale and it's like, you you can, often we'll be looking at a quote and be like, okay, if we get 2,000, it's this much money. If we get 4,000, it's this much money. And the 4,000 is only like 30% more or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you get these scaling effects. And so, but that's not the way it works for like a lot of things. Oh, or really? definitely not to that degree. Yeah, not to that degree. Okay. Because once you get to the, once you have enough scale where you're out of the, where the overhead is starting to be like amortized across all the individual units pretty well, mm-hmm. then you don't keep going. Whereas with paper goods, that, the, the overhead, especially in the scale that we're kind of in, the overhead is like, I don't know, probably 90% of the cost or yes. something. Yeah, and so yeah. like, if, if you're not in the quantities that are kind of getting out of there, you're just like, it's crazy. But then once you're out, they can just keep running the machine for another hour and you get twice as much stuff, you know, and, and there's no <laughs> one standing there. So it's like a very different... But then once you start getting into product paper goods that have labor, then that starts to go back the other way. But mm-hmm. if, if things that are mostly automated, then... Then it, then it makes sense. So yeah, Even it's with a really... little bit of labor, like, it, it, and I think it's probably because right the the cost of the material is so much cheaper. Like yeah. the cost of paper is so much cheaper than 
when you're starting to deal with metals and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. as well, well like, just the yeah. just the machine time. I mean, that's the crazy thing is like it's just slow. So mm-hmm. like you know, if you look, at, I don't know if you've ever Mike been to like an industrial printer and see it printing. Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's pumping out you know thirty by forty yeah. inch sheets like you know every maybe second and a half or something. Whereas if you're looking at a like one of our little tiny parts on a Mark One pin that's all metal, it might take them three four minutes to machine one part, mm-hmm. and the machines making those parts are really expensive, and so it's just like it's just slower because it's metal. You know, I don't wouldn't even say necessarily the cost is about the raw materials. It's just the machine time, basically. True, and I guess to. like. Mm-hmm the cost of setting up the machine so like is like way yeah it's crazy you know like with printing especially if you use digital printing which is getting so good now it's like it's not really anything but you know for you it's like oh well first we've got to make like either a a mold or a jig or like whatever like you know like that is just so much money goes into that process before we start doing anything yeah it's crazy and but here but that's where things are going right things will more and more turn into paper goods in terms of the cost structure, right? right? Because that that process you're talking about will be more innovated like or automated with like lights out factories. So, I mean, I would be really surprised that in like 10 years from now, the cost for making like a Mark I pin, I would guess would get a lot cheaper in a lot of ways because the automation on the machining should go way down, right? What about so, like 3D printing? Would that... You know, like, yeah, that so kind of like that's the other thing that stuff? will come the other way. Yeah. That will come from the other way, but that is <clears throat> that is also when you look at three D printing, the cost is all machine time, right? It's almost no material cost. It's all machine time, and and honestly, there's a lot of post processing in three D printing that people like like to forget about. Right, and so the economics of that are not as rosy as I think people like to believe, but you know that eventually will change, right? And like 20 years from now, like certainly additive manufacturing is going to be way different and way more performant in terms of like what the materials can do. And so, yeah, I mean, so like, you know, people have seen those like, uh, I don't know if it's like Nike or Adidas make those like shoes with a 3D printed sole that were like limited edition or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole sole of your shoe and it's 3D printed in rubber. And yeah, they look great. It seems all, this is the future. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long those soles took to print, but I would be surprised if it wasn't like six to eight hours per sole, and that would be going real fast. And so they're losing tons of money on those because the machine time is crazy. And so it's like all promotional, and I don't know how long it will take, if ever it will get fast enough to where that like actually makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Do you not think though that because you, I've not heard this phrase before, but I can understand it. Lights out factories, like it's just people aren't there. Do you not think yeah. that like with addition, like by making this product, the more Nike make it, the better they can make it. For example, and then if they could have completely automated factories, and the technology continues to improve, say it took an hour to make a shoe, if no one's there, does it matter how long it takes? Yeah, it doesn't. Well, I mean, there's energy costs, you know, which will probably go down. But it's just, sure. yeah. And so that's the that's the idea, I think, right? It's like it's both. It's like it will get faster and, you know, the scale will go up to where it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the hopeful, awesome thing about that is maybe small guys like us can just plug into that supply chain and have, you know, our cost basis on like a on an item or a part might be very similar to if you're making a million or one, you know? Mm-hmm. But the the scary part of that is all of that 
manufacturing is actually just locked up and controlled by bigger companies and we don't have access to it, you know? So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that probably won't be what happens, but it could be. Um, so that's why like this whole commodity story is like, I, I, I do think that's where things are heading, where it becomes very easy to um, make a lot of physical goods. And so then you think like, okay, what's valuable here? Like, what are we doing? And I um, design in some ways might be kind of less valuable um, in a way. So I don't know. It's it's um, I don't know what to think, but I do think we're in for a, a lot of changes over the next, you know, one or two decades. Tom's future corner. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to add anything else, Dan? Did you want to do any tech corners or anything? I would. I would love to do a tech corner. All right. Why don't we do a tech corner? Dance tech corner. Oh, Tom, that was slow. Are you feeling all right? <laughs> did I have a little? Did I have a little? Um, came, a little, a little, a little gravel in there. Yeah, it usually came, you came go down way instead of went up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like corner. It's I'm corner. an artist. I'm an <laughs> oh, artist. Guys. Sorry, how dare we? Uh, okay, so there's something in the list. There's always this bunch of things in the list. There was one that I was intrigued. It says F versus C, and I didn't know what oh. it meant. And then I worked mm. out what it meant, and I don't want to talk about it right now. No. <laughs> uh, and so you do want to talk about it? No, uh, it's not what you think. Oh, really? It is. Well, well, it is what you think, but it's not. Not the way. Yeah, not the way. Maybe not. Well, <laughs> that's kind of a quick one too. <laughs> Roll the dice. Um, let's do this other one because it's already like, oh my god, it's getting old. Just a couple of months. I thought I was gonna say a year old, but no, November was recently. Let's do this, and then we can maybe come back to F versus C another time. Okay. Johnny Ives Love From unveils terracotta seal design. Yes. So for those that don't know, Love From is Johnny Ives' new company that he formed after leaving Apple. And I I hadn't really heard about this. I hadn't seen it passed around in uh, Apple circles. And the way I discovered it is I believe Jessica Hish tweeted it with the commentary, this is porn. <laughs> so I guess uh, <laughs> it is. That, yep, that will it give is. you that if you know who Jessica Hish is, you will kind of, you can already probably visualize what it is we are looking at. Uh, it is a, I don't, Mike, do you know what Terracarta is? This is a British thing. I don't know. Uh, I have no idea what this is. Okay. So, um, it oh, is, hang well, on. Okay. Cause it's new. All right. I'm just going to read mm-hmm. this. Understand. Coinciding with COP26, his Royal Highness's Prince Charles Sustainable Markets Initiative and Love From unveil the Terracotta Seal. This is new. Recognizing private sector companies that are leading the way in creating sustainable markets. Mm-hmm. So it's about, you know, sustainability. And companies sure. get this if they can be awarded this, I guess, uh, if right. they're doing the right things. Right. So it looks like what they designed basically is like this kind of crest seal thing. And then it looks like there's kind of a typeface that goes along with it. And then they also just kind of, I think as a one-off thing, did like a little paper, a little uh, like embossed paper thing. Yeah, Yeah, but there is a digital version of it. I've right. actually now uh, I have seen this. Now I've seen the color, like the full color version. Mm. I uh-huh. remember seeing this in pictures um, from the COP twenty six thing. Yes. Mm. So 
If there was a single word to describe this, the word would be ornate. Uh, baroque. There's like baroque. Yes. yes. There's like a lot of stuff going on. And so to me, the, I find this really interesting because I guess I want to push back a little bit on what I feel like is the consensus, especially in our kind of little Apple podcast sphere, which is like Johnny Ive is a stubborn minimalist Mm -hmm. and that's kind of like all he he's like decreeing from a high tower like minimalism is the way and um i don't think that is true and perhaps maybe this is a little bit of uh of an argument in the other way where I uh, I mean I'm an I'm a Johnny Ive uh, I'm a Stan I'm an uh, apologist but I, I I I encourage people to uh, to watch the uh, the the video on YouTube of him on Blue Peter which is another British oh, thing so that I have good. no idea oh what God. it is it's a, it's a kids TV show yes it's a children's TV show but Johnny Ive in that show just comes across as just like the sweetest, most like humble person who just like loves design. And it it totally flies in the face of, I don't know where this like characterization comes through is like, he's so arrogant and like he, you know, it's like all he cares about is like this purity of like simplicity and minimalism. And I like, I, I don't believe that. Like, I think he's a really good designer and he designs things in an appropriate way, specifically in the Apple context context of what the technology is telling him. So we've actually had this conversation before, but like, Let's not forget that, like, Johnny Ive is responsible for some of the most whimsical tech products ever, like the the Sunflower iMac and the translucent plastic, you know, iMac. Like, those to me were, like, appropriate, like, designs for what technology enabled. And then as things are getting smaller and, like, thinner, like, okay, an iPad is, like, kind of boring and minimal because that is what the that's that's anonymous. where things are going yeah anonymous, so yeah. yeah yeah you know what he said is a kind of uh, we've gotten to the point where the technology essentially just disappears and all you're interacting with is the software and so i think this to me this logo i mean you can think whatever you you want about the seal itself i mean i think it's it's quite lovely but it's sure to is me, busy Right, like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not, but not it like just about shows it, that there's just there's a lot going, and I like it. It's actually it's showing what it is. It's like this is a world overgrowing, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what we want, mm-hmm. ideally. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, you know, but yeah, well, yeah. So th- this to me is just like a good example of how I, I feel like the the last kind of decade of his career, I feel like he got a bad rap or kind of like mischaracterized, where obviously he has a much broader like ability rather than just like trying to take the buttons off of things, which I think I is mean, kind of how he got characterized. He's like all buddy, super buddy with Mark Newsom, who's like, if you look at Mark Newsom's work, it's the most like curvy Dr. Susie, like some of his stuff, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. like older stuff is like, so not. Well, they, they run ge- geometric. love together. Like it's. Yeah. It's yeah. Like they're, so it's like, you know, you could tell right away that he respects that kind of work, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. not like he's like, I'm this stark, you know, like, uh, you know, like architect kind of guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 
I just looking at this seal, it's just um it's pretty amazing that you can pull off something that looks like it could be from the 17th century if you're kind of glancing but then when you look it's obviously like thoroughly modern in its like illustration and like exact like you this couldn't have been made a long time ago just because of like the exacting of the strokes and all this stuff Mm -hmm. but yeah it just does this awesome thing of like seeming timeless but is modern, it's playful, but also very like serious. It's just like being able to pull that thing, pull that off is like so incredibly difficult. Um, and so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty impressive, I must say. My favorite part thing. is if you scroll down, you see the paper seal. Mm-hmm. The paper seal, if you look at the way that it attaches to itself, looks just like one of those air tag loops. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I the see way what you're the way yeah. it's the way you slip the circular seal around so it can yeah. attach Through. to something. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It just looks <laughs> just looks just like the polyurethane loops. Yeah, that they have. Yep. That's just saying. That's kind of funny. <laughs> that thing would not survive. It's made of paper. Like that is. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> if you can ever successfully get that to attach to something, don't ever touch it again. <laughs> that's the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. It's very nice. I like this, and I. I said this on the show before too. Like, I love Johnny Ive's work, and I think that the problem, like Johnny Ive, became like the boogeyman, where Mm -hmm. anything people did not like, they prescribed to Johnny Ive. Right, right, one way or another. And I know his head is at the top. Like, I understand, but because it's also like it was great, right? It was just kind of funny. I love this like one-two punch of like those new IMAX came out and the colors, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, "Ha ha! Finally." Johnny's gone, <laughs> colors back. And then there was that story where it was like, oh no, Johnny, that was like Johnny Ives lost product. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. no, <laughs> they got us again. You know? This doesn't fit my narrative. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you I could fault him though for the maybe over indexing on thinness. I, I would probably, I could see, I could believe that that was maybe a little too far. Yeah, right. I um, think there's like, yeah, yeah, and I think there's plenty of stuff to criticize. And of like, course, he the, went too far in a bunch of places. We're not saying that, right? And but, the, and yeah. the software stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like the iOS seven transition was like bumpy. Like they had to yeah. pull back a lot of things mm-hmm. that just flat out went too far. No pun intended. Oh, come uh, on, <laughs> intend that pun. Own it. Intend that pun. <laughs> but ultimately, I much prefer design post than pre. And I know that people fall however they want to fall. Uh, I think a lot of people look nostalgically at iOS 6 design. But every time I see anything, the the thing I am most struck by is everything just looks dark. Mm, like mm-hmm. all applications, they look like the lights have been turned off. It's like even, mm, and this mm. isn't like a light mode, dark mode thing, but like it just felt like that design was so heavy, like it brought... Yeah. Everything yeah, Tweetbot. Tweetbot was like very gray. Looking. Everything was just yeah, like, yeah. like had lots of shadow. I think that's what it is. <laughs> it's the like the aggressive shadow. But like, yeah, I think this is not to say that that there were not missteps. But overall, like, I mean, come on, you know, yeah. <laughs> there are, there are very few people who have the kind of uh, history of design. As Johnny Ive does, like you just, oh look, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, like yeah, I mean, there's no, yeah, if you know about design, you're not gonna, 
you're not going to be saying Johnny Ive is a chump. Like, there's no way you can say that. You know, it's just like saying Michael Jordan's like not good at basketball. It's like, <laughs> come on, guys. It's like, you're not opening your eyes here. Uh, I, um, speaking of Apple and design stuff, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I heard someone say like a definition of skeuomorphism that I had not really heard before that I thought was like a, a kind of interesting take. And at least in in my, you know, past, when people talk about when they define like skeuomorphism, it's like, you know, like um, a part like um, a design or an interface or something is using parts of like a notebook that are just from the past. And it's just like not needed anymore. And it's like a joke and it's like a, you know, uh, like a visual reference or something. And the way that this person was describing it was. It's not about necessarily like visual references, but it's about the point of the skeuomorphic like design is to help onboard people. Like it is mm. it's purely a crutch. It's like a transition mm. device to help people move from one technology to another technology. Mm. And so it's not about being cute. It's about conveying information about how the thing is used. It's kind of like a visual affordance. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of framing it in that That's way makes it seem not as like um cheap or like mm-hmm. gimmicky but it's like mm-hmm. no like this is actually one of the best ways to onboard and like go through a transition mm-hmm. and i just i just thought that, that was just like kind of a remarkable way to frame that debate um well, my, it doesn't belittle question, it as though, much is this a retroactively applied idea do you think like i mean it, well it, it wasn't would've... about apple it it wasn't about apple at right. all it was it was like it was about some other like it was actually it was like crypto. It was about like onboarding consumers into like crypto mm-hmm. and how like they were just using that term as like skeuomorphic. Like we need mm-hmm. to find some skeuomorphic tools to like help onboard people. Right. Like, here's an f- actual physical coin. <laughs> you have yeah, one or, of yeah, those Yeah, or just now. like here's yeah. a, you know, what, whatever the metaphor is. But it's just, an, I don't know. It's just I mean, a, honestly, different... calling them coins is yes. part of it, right? Yeah. Like there's no need mm-hmm. to call it that. You call them schmoins yeah. if you want. But like, yeah, we call them <laughs> coins because... It, it it helps you attach some kind of understanding to what you're... But yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I like that as an idea. I would say I can agree it definitely had that effect. I don't know if that was the original intention. You know what I mean? Yeah, who knows? And, and it just made me realize how wrapped up... If you're in the Apple world... That that term is so loaded, and I think maybe defined a little bit incorrectly. <laughs> like if you look up its like actual definition, it's like it's not exactly the thing that people I think like to say it is. And so it's just it's just it was just interesting, uh, like just realizing how kind of loaded that term has become in like the Apple world. You know what I mean? Thoroughly Considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm slash tc slash 76.